Welcome back to For What It's Earth podcast, your weekly dose of sustainability Yeah, exactly. I think that should be on our new business cards. Thank you. That was the perfect... <laughs> With the long pause as well. The perfect slogan. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> we do know what we're doing, listeners, even if we sound like we don't. <laughs> I promise it's all scripted to the Heavily. second. Yep. Even, even this right now, scripted. Totally. I know exactly what Emma's going to say. We've been practicing this practicing for months. This for months. See? Exactly. I knew exactly what it's like you're say. in my head. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Silliness aside. What are we talking about this week, Emma? We are going through some of the strange and wonderful and unusual sustainability uh, solutions that we've found Fantastic. online. Fantastic. Because we're, yeah. we're living in an age of quite innovative ideas. Yes, we are. Big ideas, small ideas, everything in between. Yeah. Um, and Emma and I are also... We, since doing this podcast, you also get tagged in a lot of things now, which is brilliant. Please don't stop tagging us in, in articles <laughs> about love weird it. things. Yeah. And, and a lot of them are about weird or weirder or big ideas, uh, yeah. but those sorts of solutions to climate issues, sustainability issues. Uh, Anything environmental, things. really. Yeah. It's quite broad, but it's brilliant. We love reading them. So, so we that just kind thought, of sparked off an idea for us to yeah, do this episode. We'd share with you some of the silly stuff that we found, some of the, the more kind of funny... Um, yeah. so, and some that will never get off the ground if I look at my notes, I'm sure. Yeah, I've got some which aren't necessarily so silly. They're uh, bigger ideas which make you think like, really, can we do that? Yeah, um, okay. But it was interesting to, to research. It was a really fun one, actually. I really enjoyed having the having the time to research Beautiful. this one. But before we do that, should we do uh, what one good thing have you done this week? It's segment time. Absolutely. Dun, dun, dun. That's our seg- segment music. We should get segment music. Yeah, we should all like a little, you know, the music, the sound that goes with the star wipe, like whoosh. Maybe, yeah. Or I could just make a compilation of all of the sound checks in which you've uh, sung into the microphone. We can just have that gently bubbling away in the background. Don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Okay, what one good thing have you done this week, Lloyd? I have. um, I wanted a new notebook um, and I found a good one on Amazon. I know, you know, Amazon can be... We don't don't always... uh back amazon but yeah, but in this case i found a really nice notebook on it uh by a little company called dingbats and they've got a- uh, animal themed notebooks and you can buy different ones so sorry i was really excited about this you can buy one with a bear and it's brown on it Ooh. one with a an elephant and it's gray one with a tiger it's orange i got one with a little coral reef um in like image mm. on the cover and nice. it's got a little Corey facts inside it which i thought was cool oh, it's got but, the, but the main thing that's why this is good is because um it's FSC certified paper, so it's sustainably oh, sourced great. paper. It's hundred uh, percent vegan uh, certified. The materials, it's it's faux leather, but the materials are made from degradable and recyclable materials. And a portion of it, actually, a portion of the proceeds goes towards WWF. Oh, very nice. Yes. That's very cool. I'm very good about myself. Oh, well done. There it's we snazzy. Are. I've seen it. Yeah, it's light blue. Yes. It's gorgeous. It's around here somewhere. It's up there. Yes, there we are. Very nice. What about yourself? What have you been doing? So mine is almost a call for help as well um, to the listeners for advice because I have been trying to work out how to make our laundry more sustainable because I keep getting adverts for these like eco eggs, you know, those like laundry oh, pot or like nut things that you put in with your laundry. And a while ago I decided, okay, great, I'm going to buy one of those and see how it goes. But then I started diving into the reviews and some of the reviews kind of said they were great. And a lot of them also said, you know, they don't lift stains 
they're not actually very thorough they're not really as good so I mm. haven't bought one of those but if anyone has genuinely tried one I'd really like to know what they thought instead I've signed up to a subscription service called small I was you about to say small yeah I keep getting yeah. Instagram adverts for them and eventually I you know I, I did their one pound free trial and and just I thought it was super easy sure. but they come in a lot less packaging um yeah plastic packaging than if you would buy it from a supermarket these come you know through the post and are really small and lightweight yeah it's so. still plastic isn't it but it's sort of like yeah as minimal white plastic packaging as you can get it's, i suppose it's, yeah I, it's not perfect and i'm still looking for a better solution though so if anyone can let me know how well those laundry eggs work i'd be super interested in finding that out but uh but yeah so that's my kind of half good thing that i've done that's interesting though you're, you're working towards something good yeah which is fantastic yeah Excellent. So please help us out um, with Emma's, Emma's... Help me clean my clothes. Dilemma. Yeah. <laughs> help Emma go to work in the morning and feel confident about it. I mean, I, I work in my spare room. I have a home office, so I can turn up to work in pyjamas that are stained in <laughs> coffee if I want. But sure, help me help me leave the house in fresh clothes. Help Emma leave the house, everyone. <laughs> mm. Okay then, so let's let's jump in. Hit me with your first. We're going to do like a one for one, like a volley. Hit me with your first uh, su- sustainability strangeness. Okay, so I've got one which people might have seen already. So it's it's maybe a bit of a, a main, mainstream um, idea, Ooh. but it's no, it's not. It's one that won the James Dyson Award recently. Okay. Did you see this? It was like November, it's October, twenty nineteen. It's a fish waste. Yeah. Yes. So uh, Lucy Hughes, who goes to the University of Sussex, won both the UK and international James Dyson Award, which goes to young, or actually, is it young entrepreneurs? Or just uh, novel ideas, entrepreneurs looking, yeah, looking to solve big problems. And so they get a cash prize, blah, blah, blah. So Lucy Hughes produced a plastic sub- substitute called Marina Tex. And it's a bioplastic, which is made from organic fish waste. Ah. So there's no oil that goes into it. It's using the scales and the skin from fish offcuts. So fish oil rather than petroleum oil. Basically, yes. Very nice. Uh, and they use red algae as well to bind them together. Ah. And apparently she did a lot of this work on her kitchen hob to try and get the best uh, combinations, which is <laughs> quite cool. So there you go. Science starts at home. And the plastic comes out as translucent, flexible. And her idea was that you can still use it for the single use even though we want to get away from any single use mm. you can use it for single use packaging particularly i suppose in the, that transition period as we get away from it yeah. completely as we change habits we also need to change products exactly and you can produce it with temperatures under 100 degrees which means it's quite light oh, on great. its energy needs she says it can biodegrade from f- after four to six weeks suitable home suitable for home composting oh great because that's leach. one of the things like a lot of um biodegradable and compostable or advertised as such yes, products only biodegrade really. or compost in like industry conditions. very specifically yeah assuming that those facilities exist in your area yeah yep. give me things that i can put in my home composter and i will compost them exactly give us the tools we need people <laughs> so well, it also doesn't reach toxins oh perfect so there we go Unlike the whole plastics. bpa thing etc and um, the numbers are quite interesting. She says that uh, there's an estimated 5 million tonnes of plastic in the UK every year. And there's around 492,000 tonnes of fish, um, which is thrown away. Oh, waste. So, yes, waste. Sorry. Oh, okay. So that can, you know, make a little dent in the plastic that we're throwing away. That's great. We, I mean, we need to start using waste materials as resources. 
So that sounds we really like a great do. solution. It's the whole circular economy thing. So you're mm. built, built while well, you're using the end of one production stream to, fuel to another. benefit another. Mm. Exactly. And Lucy says that one Atlantic cod could generate as much organic waste as needed for making 1,400 Marina Tex bags. Oh, wow. I, I'm just assuming her numbers are correct. But that's a lot of bags. That's pretty impressive. So if it's true, that's awesome. So hopefully at some point now that she's had this, she's won this award and received this hopefully grant, it's got a proper it should attention go into backing, mainstream. Yeah. Wow. It'd be fantastic if it is. Yep, sign me up for some of those. There we go. It sound great. Boom! Crazy idea one. What's your crazy idea? <laughs> okay, I'm going to start with a really silly one, but I loved this idea. Oh, go on then. Silly the better. So uh, the, the spiky shower curtain has its... <laughs> So it's a shower I'm curtain. Already. <laughs> I know, right? Um, so it's a shower curtain, but it has these um, kind of blow-up spikes attached to it, which remain deflated. But they have a, the shower curtain itself has like a sensor to tell when it's wet, and if you're running the shower for over four minutes, the spikes inflate <laughs> and shove you out of the shower. <laughs> I thought you were going with that, like some sort of water-saving thing where it acts like twigs on a tree where it stops the water going down in one go no it's literally to boot you out the shower it, it literally is a very um firm but gentle reminder that water is precious you should conserve it and uh you've been washing your hair for too long get out the shower it just it's such a gimmick but it's so funny and i just think if if you know if you had kids or if you had teenagers or something you were trying to teach people about water conservation um because if you asked me how long do you shower for i actually couldn't tell you but if I was getting yeah. used to trying to get my routine down to under four minutes, I think that would be very feasible. I unfortunately do sort of crafts and just stand under the shower, staring into space, enjoying the hot water. It's really bad. It's I lovely, but it's cut, not yeah. great. Yeah, That's the next um, area of my life I think I need to... We're quite lucky. I think in, especially in areas like um, California, which are often kind of struggling with water mm. scarcity, something like that could be quite a good like public engagement yep. um, thing. Unfortunately, though, I did Google can I buy one of these? Because <laughs> these sound great. Um, it was a, it was actually an art installation, an educational art installation produced by <sighs> Elizabeth Butcher. I think you pronounce, I've probably butchered her surname. Um, and I just, I would love it if she could actually put that into production because I really think that even as a novelty, even as a, as a gimmick, that would be hilarious and, and have an educational benefit to it. I'm so gutted you can't buy it. Me too, but I just felt I still had to share the that idea. such a good present. <laughs> Boom. Number two. Okay, what's yours? I'm going to... Which one should I go for? How about this one? Um, because you mentioned sort of more an art mm. installation. Uh, there was... I found a guy called Dan Roosgaard. He's like a Dutch designer and artist. He's got a website. He's got some really interesting concept pieces, some of which I think have been implemented in the real world at times. So, for example, he's made some... Uh, uh, tiles to go in footpaths which can harvest the steps of energy oh wow at one point i think it's like a decade ago they installed a, a dance floor in rotterdam in the netherlands um which absorbed all the energy from people dancing oh, wow. and it powered the dance floor lighting up itself and also the dj booth or something there was one of those in london as well but it was shut there? down a couple of years ago but i, I found i came across the same thing i thought that's really cool because oh, the amount of energy expended by dancers uh, in a nightclub yeah, to be able to waste, harvest that it? it's amazing I, mean, I say wasted it's obviously some sweet sweet moves but speak for yourself <laughs> yeah, definitely not me <laughs> but my favorite i think concept piece was bioluminescent trees Ooh. so the idea that you'd splice dna from luminescent marine bacteria with the plant and allegedly i read trials are underway i couldn't find much more information on it so i don't know 
I mean, I like the idea of it. I, I can also see problems with, I mean, there's hard, it's hard enough problems getting uh, crops, like genome edited crops into the market. Yes, position, so. but is that an issue with eat people concerned about eating them? Whereas I assume you wouldn't eat oh, a bioluminescent yes. tree. Also, what is the purpose of the bioluminescent tree? I th- Does it have a sustainability function or we just... I imagine it's partly to... So, hang yeah, out. There is a purpose. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure part of the purpose is to substitute or partly substitute street lighting. Oh, oh, I like that then. Yes. I'm a fan. It's pretty cool. Because he's also done some other stuff with uh, luminescent lines on road, like a paint that will absorb sun energy or uh, sunlight during the day and then for about eight hours at night it will glow back at you oh okay cool yeah again i mean not sounding like a total skeptic but do we need that well maybe oh i'm sorry i've just crushed no, this no oh, i love whatever. the idea that he's doing well, how about stuff? this idea from the same guy sorry yeah a smog-free bicycle it's a little thing that goes on the front of a bicycle sucks up polluted air cleans it gives it to the cyclist i think i found the same guy from a different story oh no way yes hang on let me consult i didn't notes. really understand this can i move on to my next one yes please as do. a very natural transition in beijing they have got a smog tower a smog free tower right and it apparently it cleans over thirty thousand cubic meters of air every hour uses only only just over a thousand watts of energy to do so um and but it's basically it was designed by a dutch designer <gasps> right who also designed smog-sucking bicycles. Yes, there we go. So this this must have been the same chap, I, I reckon. But so the cool thing about this uh, smog tower in, in Beijing is not only is it cleaning the air, it's compressing the smog particles. Hello. So in order to engage the public with this idea, um, <laughs> no, no, this is really cool. They're making items such as um, cufflinks and rings, apparently, that you can buy from compressed smog. So you can, you can literally wear a product of cleaning the air. I mean, I don't know if it would be my first choice, that's that quite cool i thought that is quite cool this dutch designer's just got some serious airtime out of our podcast yeah. he's coming up with some brilliant well ideas well done dan Ruzgard. nice sorry that was my next one so it's back to you oh there there we go um oh what, what a I legend for now what do we fancy how about building walls under glaciers 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 building walls and artificial walls under the glaciers at sea okay so it's this idea from, um, oh, I haven't written down who came up with the idea. Never mind. Some anonymous scientists <laughs> have suggested uh, they ran simulations um, where they modelled structure of artificial mounds about 300 metres high that go towards the base of glaciers at sea. Right. And they suggest that for a start to build these they use one glacier in particular in like the Antarctic so for this one glacier 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 I think we'll be flexible with either of those I'm just very conscious that I'm saying it wrong the material used would be about the same that was excavated or used for the Dubai's Palm Islands so a lot but not necessarily insurmountable right and for a better cause they said that if you use that much material you could have a 30% probability of presenting Preventing a collapse of the ice sheet. Oh, awesome. Because not only... The idea behind these mounds is that they not only stop the glacier water coming out at the bottom, mm-hmm. but also prevent warm water from going directly to the bottom ah. of the glacier and melting it from below. That's a very good idea. So it's kind of and like an said, insulation. Yeah, you must make smaller but more complex walls, apparently, which would give you a 70% probability, according to them. Oh, let's fund this. This sounds brilliant. Yes, it's just... 
I imagine quite difficult to what build artificial very walls hard working in environment. very difficult marine conditions. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even above air, that's a tough, yeah. tough even, place to be in the anywhere, But then you've got Antarctic, for example, seas. Are I mean, the Arctic's more rough. accessible, but also yes. isn't, it hasn't got a land mass under it, actually, I guess. Whereas um, Antarctica point, yeah. is a con- is a, a land yes, continent. Sorry, actually, actually, so you're right. So it'd be Antarctica. It'd be... Your turn. Okay, I am going to go for what next? What next? So I spoke to a scientist called Yanis Eropoulos, who I've probably again. You spoke to the scientist. Yes, I've spoken to oh, this cool. man. Um, po- possibly active journalism. Yes, that's me. Um, at the Bristol Bioenergy Centre. Beautiful. And basically, he's come up, or he and his team have helped come up with a system for generating electricity from urine. This isn't uncommon. It has been used uh, as a fuel stock for things before, and there's lots of teams mm. looking at this. But basically, one day they were looking at trying to find some kind of fuel stock that could power a robot, uh, which could go into the desert and do stuff. And they were trying to work out what could fuel this robot for a long enough amount of time. And they found that urine could actually be quite a good way of generating electricity so then this has several side things so basically it also acts as like a pre-treatment for sewage because um the urine will be in there for a day or two um and then it can go into the rest of the sewage system but also the amount of energy produced or electrical electrical energy that's produced from this microbial fuel cell um can power say the lighting for that toilet unit which is perfect Mm. in remote communities yes it is um so there's a real potential for um communities where women perhaps don't want to go out at night alone um to use the toilet in the village mm-hmm. but having lighting that's powered by quite literally a waste product of us yeah um could be really great for their kind of health and well-being that's amazing as well as it obviously being having a potential in like new building design um it's really cool oh it's got so many uses i love yeah. it oh, that's a great find look at you going out and getting stories firsthand some of us just Google. This is that's the only one. I've the done. first thing we find. <laughs> well, I, I spoke to him. I spoke to him quite a long time ago, um, and then just his work came to mind as we were googling this sustainability solution. Cool. I'm gonna go next for Robo Bees. Oh, have you heard of these before? No. So the Weiss Institute from Harvard uh, has been developing Robo Bees. Apparently, so autonomous tiny flying machines about half the size of a paperclip. Right. They perch on surfaces using static electricity. Okay. They've got little wings, so they fly around. The wings are flap at 120 times a second, and they get vertical takeoff, hovering steering. You might be wondering why I've highlighted this. Mm-hmm. I got onto this because uh, I found another story where someone had used a really small drone, more like a commercial drone, mm-hmm. and they successfully pollinated a plant using it. So they had a little drone, put some sticky tops on, or like some furry bits, flew it into a plant. Their steering wasn't very good. Um, went <laughs> into the plant and then flew into another one and then apparently that um, oh, okay. they got an example where they pollinated a lily and they're saying oh maybe we should start considering things like this and then I got onto this one about the robo bees which I think oh. probably has more uses than pollination but that was cited as potential that's really thing. cool I, I didn't see the pollination thing coming do you know what first came to mind was that Black Mirror episode with the robo was it wasps oh I haven't seen it oh it's terrifying it's basically um, they use these wasps to kill people oh. um but yeah that was so that was my initial thought when you said harvard are doing robo bees i was like oh was my goodness <laughs> where are we going to be i yeah. mean maybe those are the true but true reasons pollinating plants is much better a general thing i saw but 
for example, with the the drone one where they pollinated a plant, they um, say that they haven't been able to pollinate smaller ones, obviously, because there are more difficulties with that. Mm. And it was more a concept thing to say, like whether it could could work. Um, But obviously, as one researcher on this article pointed out, you can't say they're going to replace insects, which, to be fair, the original authors didn't say they would. But you've got to realise that insects have like specialized behaviors and stuff mm. so it's not just the act of being there um but it's it, it was it was a cool little idea i thought oh that's interesting if not uh the solution we perhaps really need no possibly it would be if we're looking yeah like you said if we're looking solely at pollination it would be better <laughs> yeah. to keep insects yes i'm not sure healthy. the real insects around. but that's interesting to see that they're working on stuff like that plus i just want to talk about robo bees fair play okay what have i got to combat that with i'm gonna lower the tone Lower the As tone. always, go on. Excuse you. Um, you've seen reusable face wipes? I have seen them. I Yes, I'm familiar with them. But have you seen... I can guess where this is going, go on. <laughs> reusable toilet paper. Yeah, that's where I, that's where I thought this was going, yeah. <laughs> um, no, it turns out this is genuinely a thing. Um, just to quickly preface mm. this with, I'm definitely in the no thank you camp for this. But it's definitely a thing and people are definitely embracing it in some places of the world. Um, They're much like face wipes. They're made of cloth. Um, You have squares of them. Um, You keep them next to your toilet. When you need to wipe your business, you wipe your business and then you put it in a little um, bag Mm. and then you put it in the wash. Mm. And then you've got a lovely lovely stack of nice um, cloth toilet wipes. And the reason that this is let me developed, counter that with uh, no. I absolutely, I'm, <laughs> I agree with you. I'm, I'm very much in the please don't give me these for Christmas camp. But the, I think the whole point is they've developed because um, so in Europe we do use a lot of toilet paper. Yes, but it does have in general some element of recycled fibre in in a lot of our toilet paper, even if it's not all. Um, but in the US, they often don't have any form of, of recycling going around toilet or using reused fibres in creating toilet paper a lot of that's genuinely comes straight from forest products um so they're actually contributing to quite a lot of deforestation literally to wipe mm. their bums with blue roll so there's been a lot of research into okay well how can we cut down the amount of deforestation that we're doing and yes this is one of the things that's come out of it which i'm not super excited about i'll be honest with i can you. see the reasoning don't get me wrong yeah um, that's just i think the line where i would rather not cross yeah um but um we there's a lot of these products for babies which we do use frequently okay so like cheeky wipes like two of my friends that have got babies they're effectively the same thing and yeah. we don't we don't blink at that so instead um people could use who gives a crap uh their toilet yes. paper which is them. bamboo toilet paper as opposed to kind of um wood yep. wood um and it's, it's supposed to be forest friendly bamboo and it also comes in um Paper packaging as opposed to plastic packaging. Amazing. So if you don't want to go quite that far as to use reusable toilet wipes, that's an option. That's another option. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, I would suggest that more people should get bidets. I don't know how I feel about that either. Do you not? They're a lot cleaner. I know. I imagine it is, but something about, you know, I think if I'd grown up with one, I wouldn't blink. It's, it just seems like a very new, slightly invasive experience. Anyway. What have you got next? someone is suggesting we should resurrect mammoths woolly mammoths uh woolly mammoths uh for the purpose of climate change so i've seen scientists suggest we do it anyway just for you know (laughs) genetics yeah genetics but uh, one russian scientist uh suggested 
if we resurrect mammoths, because they traditionally lived on the steppes, you know, that very oh, yeah. flat grass environment yeah, in yeah. sort of central Eurasia. And the argument was that mammoths would have just knocked down loads of trees, blah, 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 as mammoths do, as we all know mammoths do. But the, the, so I'm getting distracted. So you're doing a lot of mammoth um, hand movements, yes, which I, I really wish I the listeners could see. Really like mammoths. So grassland reflects more sunlight than trees, right? Yes. Underneath the steps, there's a lot of permafrost. Oh, here we go. Now you're talking my language. So now we're getting there. So that's, oh yeah, you know all about permafrost. Love me some permafrost. Uh, okay, well, I didn't realise that there was a lot of permafrost under the step, actually. No, Siberia did I, but does apparently stretch. that's at risk of melting. Yes, very much so. So then the argument is that some of the animals that are on the steps now aren't big enough to take, get rid of some of the trees that are growing okay. and as more trees grow then they're not reflecting sunlight in the same way yeah. so the mammoths would have like taken down the trees and sunlight would have been reflected more so it's not heating up the permafrost yeah and then also something about they clear snow so by clearing snow away it lets the heat escape yeah snow some- acts as like a um kind of a blanket actually it keeps the ground at one to two degrees it's almost counterintuitive isn't it you think oh snow cold yeah. yeah, yeah, but it, actually the wind chill tends to... So, so a lot of kind of rodents and little mammals are able to live underneath thick snow cover because it keeps it at one to two degrees, whereas permafrost is ground that hasn't been um, defrosted or hasn't reached zero degrees for over right. two years. Yeah, if you have like shrubbery that's creating a much bigger buildup of snow over permafrost, it can thaw faster. But yeah, also, I, I feel like the horribly under- underprepared one in this pair. Yeah, but right you talk now. about marine stuff, and, yeah. <laughs> and I'm I'm there, the one left left swimming. But anyway, if you stuck with me through that ramble, mm. mammoths. Mm. Someone mm. wants to resurrect permafrost. Yes, perhaps we don't need mammoths. I that was what I was going to say. Um, the same ecological niche there could be filled surely by uh, chainsaws. <laughs> if. Um, <laughs> Could, could we do we do we have to go I through the say like we can get another species of elephant we can get no large cattle species like chainsaws. how many years is it going to take for us to let the chainsaws um, inseminate free. i'm assuming right the process to getting a woolly mammoth alive is to extract dna from a woolly mammoth specimen mm-hmm. i would guess inseminate an elephant yes correct wait for that elephant to grow yes. slash mammoth to grow mm-hmm. also create a whole population of them yes such that they can be left into the wilds yes. of Mongolia where they need to be protected. Yes. And then wait for them to Hopefully they don't gnaw down a few trees. Food webs that are yeah. there. Listen, I, I never said it was a good idea. <laughs> I'm just telling you what I read I on the internet. It. I love because the internet never discussion. lies. This is great. This is the whole point. This is the strange sustainability solutions. I like it a lot. <laughs> do, do you? No, sorry. I like ter- tearing holes in it a lot. Oh, oh sorry. Of course. <laughs> That sounds I would, I would, no, in all seriousness, I would love to see um, woolly mammoths roam, roam the earth again. Anyway, Moving I on. am going to jump in here now with. So, a French company called EP Tender have created a battery pack for your electric car. Of course. So, this is a startup that I read about in the news this week. And it's basically um, so your electric cars tend to have a range of about 150 kilometers. 200 possibly if if max these are fully electric non-hybrids um so with this thing it basically looks like a tiny little caravan it's quite small but you hitch it onto the back of your electric car and it acts as a battery pack and it can double your range so the idea is they're they're quite expensive but the idea is you can hire them if you've got a long trip like if you're road tripping um the plan is for them to be able to be available for hire commercially like around europe in the next couple of years that's amazing 
I found um, quite a lot of stuff about something called stratospheric aerosol injection, Ooh. or SAI. Tell me more. I think people might have heard about it before in some classic over the years, because it's, whether that's been in real life or um, like more, more of a sci-fi context. Mm. So this particular one I'm looking at is by uh, researchers in Harvard. Now, allegedly, they've been preparing to do this November 2019, but I think that's been pushed back because I can't find any mention of it happening. Ah, okay. Um, so there, it's basically about putting sunlight reflecting particles into the upper atmosphere. Nice. In their case, they want to use uh, calcium carbonate based ones. So uh, there have been other initiatives thinking about using uh, sulfur based, I think it was. And it's a form of solar geoengineering. So the idea is it reflects particles in the upper atmosphere to effectively cool down the Earth. So it's one of those things you think, oh, yeah, good idea. And then you think, oh, should we be releasing stuff into the yeah. atmosphere that we don't really understand? Do we know but the... this is the point of some of these trials is to sort of start to understand what the consequences would be. Mm. Because, for example, some people have cited something called termination shock. So <laughs> it's this fancy word for saying... If we start doing this particle injection and we don't also reduce our carbon emissions, we just keep it going, mm. then the problem is we can't suddenly stop injecting particles because as the carbon oh. emissions keep going or stay steady, all of a sudden the Earth's going to heat up, but the rate is going to be quicker because it's going to catch up to where it would have been before. So it's just going to oh, quickly gosh. increase. It's going to be like a snap. Yeah. So okay. you either need to keep going indefinitely or very slowly wind it down yeah as you go um i've seen another article which suggested that that's not something that is actually as a concern as you might think but we obviously don't know because i haven't really tested it very far which is why they're doing small tests to begin with this particular test by harvard is using a sort of balloon in the upper atmosphere in the stratosphere to release these like uh, 100 grams to oh, start okay. with and just observing it and they're going to steer the balloon back through the cloud to try and see what the dispersal's like Oh, right, okay. And then another criticism is that we don't know how it's going to affect like crop growth if you're blanketing some of the sky a That's little true. bit. We don't know how it's going to change precipitation rain patterns mm. globally. So we don't know, but it's an interesting thing to think about. I, I like that. I'm I'm definitely up for seeing where that goes. It, yeah, it's one of those you things know. where you think, oh, we, I really don't want we to use to... it if we can help it. Yeah. We obviously the first support call is to stop releasing emissions, emissions into yeah. the atmosphere but it's one of those things that nice we might as well the research baby, now yeah. should the desperate need ever arise for something like that I think that's good it's, yeah it's great that people are thinking like we said so really innovatively and like about what would seem quite strange but also quite logical solutions yeah I mean there was another one I saw which was releasing lots of floating platforms that would release artificial clouds do the similar sort of thing yeah i think i read that as well yeah. using like water vapor but big ideas mm. i just thought why don't we paint all of our roofs white um if you look down on heavily densely populated areas it's all very dark roofing yes so we either keep dark roofing where it's um part of a solar system a solar system a solar panel system <laughs> which needs a dark absorbent uh, yeah. layer or we paint all of our commercial roofs white to reflect as much back into the mm. atmosphere mimicking the effects of snow or step in that in that example you said earlier but um you know surely there must be something wrong with that idea otherwise that would have already happened because it seems like quite a simple thing to be doing so yes. if anyone knows anything about that please do let me know because i've been mulling it over yes. for a while please, please help us mm. 
Okay. We have no idea what we're doing. Help us out. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So there's this really cool one. uh, There's an app in Tokyo called um, the Electricity Forecast. So after the Fukushima disaster, electricity demand in um, Tokyo wasn't able to be met very well because obviously one of their major power um, providers was off the grid. Sure. Um, So they experienced quite a lot of blackouts whenever anyone tried to use electricity at like peak time. So now the Tokyo kind of power authority, I can't remember, they have an app called the Electricity Forecast. So you can log onto your phone and you can see what... Um, electricity demand is predicted to be during that day at different times and then you can adjust your usage accordingly so it's teaching the public about their energy consumption awesome it's helping to manage their their national grid as it were it's not called the national grid but their their equivalent of the national grid and their energy flow and helping them meet demand and avoid these back blackouts so it's not just you know a top down trying to change it's it's the people physically understanding how their lives are interacting with the energy demands of the city and it's really cool so a lot of companies as well are like incentivizing um uh employees to come in early or come in late when their travel times would then not match the estimated like high energy travel times like stuff like that it's quite cool well i really really like that idea yeah that's not even that complex an idea is it it's no quite simple quite straightforward sounds it so if our national grid could could do that i'd I'd absolutely love it and i reckon a lot of people would find it interesting just to know beautiful i do have one last one go on then what have you got super simple uh in nigeria they're using plastic bottles to build houses so they've got masses and masses of plastic bottles from waste. And instead of putting it in landfill, they're filling them with sand and then using them as bricks effectively Amazing. and kind of sealing them all and with cement and, um, and mud. And um, they're apparently, they're very strong and make for bulletproof houses. So I don't know who tested that well. or felt the need to test that, but you can create a three-story home. I know, it's mad, isn't it? You can, you can create a three-story home from 14,000 bottles. Um, and over in so in Nigeria where this is happening, um, three million bottles a day are thrown away. So it's a really abundant resource for them to be using. But in the US, it's one hundred thirty million bottles oh. a day, a day. Oh, this no. is mad. But yeah. So anyway, this scheme is you know like using up a local resource, avoiding things going into landfill, yeah. and is empowering people to build their own homes which are built to last. Which I just thought was a lovely story to end on. That's beautiful. Thank you yeah. very much. That was a nice story. <laughs> You're very welcome. <gasps> so, I think that was a good collection of weird, wonderful... And quite exciting possibilities. And exciting stuff, yeah. yeah. You're right. Thanks very much for sticking with us. That was really yeah, cool. Yeah, we I hope you enjoyed really that as much as we did yeah. researching it. Well, keep in touch, folks. Yes, the please usual. do. We've got many routes of communication. We uh, love, we tell love us hearing from you. Your favourite wacky idea, if you found anything, send it to us, tag us. Yeah, we love reading et cetera. Yeah. yeah, it's just one of our favourite bits of the day. Uh, we have Instagram. For What Is Earth Podcast. Thank you. We have Twitter. Uh, what Earth Pod. We have something else, presumably. Facebook. Facebook. At For What Is Earth Podcast. Again. And you can do an old-fashioned email. Drop us a line at uh, For What Is Earth Pod at gmail.com. Beautiful. Keep the conversation going. Lovely. Okay. As we sometimes say, I believe most times (laughs) (laughs) fantastic thanks for listening and see you very soon see you soon doodles bye